The Buckhead Breakaway gets its biggest victory yet. This is just basically establishing the municipal corporation for an existing municipality to be incorporated and basically uh, dealing with the proposed city of Buckhead. That is one way to put it. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Patricia, it's so great to see you and our producer, Shani B., in a packed office up in Dunwoody. We had a big town hall meeting with the new publisher and all the sort of AJC brass talking about the year that it was and the year to come. It was, it was, it was good to see so many new faces. I was kind of looking around the room. I was like, wow, I don't, I probably don't know a quarter, a quarter of these people, but it was, it's good to see so much new blood in the building. It was, you know, I typically chafe at corporate and organized events. (laughs) I'm just not a joiner. Um, but this was a good event. This was a good event. I saw you. I got to see Shaney B who I only get to see on podcasts and in Cities far away from Atlanta. Um, and we got to hear from our publisher, Andrew Morse, our editor, our managing editor, the whole team, all the bosses. So it was um, it was a really good meeting, and I don't regret attending. All I can say is the AJC has big things in store for all of our listeners, readers, viewers, all that good stuff. Well, coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about what's next for the Buckhead Cityhood movement, why former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is leaving the White House, and the latest in legislative news right ahead of Crossover Day. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Patricia, it was a big day in the legislature on Monday when the Buckhead City Movement won its biggest win yet. Uh, it wasn't a win. It wasn't a, you know, a once and for all win. Uh, but, you know, after last year, when legislative leaders basically suffocated any chance of Buckhead City Movement happening uh, at the start of the, really in the first couple of weeks of the session, um, this year, we haven't seen it formally vanquished yet. Instead, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones let a vote go forward in a committee meeting on two separate measures that would pave the way for a vote on Buckhead City Hub. There's still some serious issues. Dismantling an existing city is a lot harder than creating a new one. And there's a lot of unanswered questions still remaining. Let's let's go over some of them. You could add some, Patricia, but some of the main ones is what happens to $3 billion plus of Atlanta's outstanding bonds? What happens to children and public school students 
who live in the proposed Buckhead city limits, could they even legally attend Atlanta public schools? What happens to the Beltline and other cultural gems that, that span the borders of both Buckhead and Atlanta? And what happens to that proposed public safety center that's been at the center of such controversy? Uh, it's outside of city limits and under the proposed terms of a new Buckhead city, property outside of city limits would have to be split between Buckhead and Atlanta. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. That is the tip of the iceberg. And I mean, it feels like this iceberg goes to the core of the center of the earth. This, and I have to issue a trigger warning. If somebody doesn't want to hear accurate information about the Buckhead City legislation, this is the time to turn off this podcast because the legislation has major, major problems. And this comes after two years of hearing from the Buckhead City Committee and lawmakers down at the Capitol. All questions will be answered in the enabling legislation. When you see the bill, the answers are in there. Earlier this week, Jason Estevez, the state senator, one of the state senators who represents Buckhead, who I'll oppose it, asked Randy Robertson, who's sponsoring the bill, I would, I need to see the budget. Where's the budget? Randy Robertson said, it's all in the legislation. We get the legislation. There's no budget in the legislation. There's no rhyme or reason to the legislation. There are price tags of um, Atlanta City property that would be required to be sold off or made available to Buckhead City. Um, $5,000 for a fire station, which in real life costs $13 million to build. <laughs> $100,000 for the water system and another 100000 for the sewer system. Those are being paid for right now collectively by $3 billion in bonds. Um, $100 an acre at Chastain Park, which I'm telling you goes for a million dollars an acre in real life. So, so if you get that bill, deal, take it. <laughs> 100%. In fact, I may sign my name to this legislation because, I mean, if you who says it's expensive to shop in Buckhead? I mean, these are fire sale prices. And it's just not real policy. There are not real answers in here for people who live in Buckhead. And it, you will hear from the Buckhead City Committee, it's all going to be worked out. The schools are going to be worked out. It's all going to be fine. As of now, we have no reason to believe that. We've never seen an answer. We've never seen a plan. We've never seen details of every all of these promises they've been making for two years. The problems in Buckhead are real. But the answers in this legislation are fake. And it's being pushed by a group of mostly rural Republican lawmakers who, of course, don't live within the city limits. Hardly any elected officials from the city of Atlanta back this idea. Uh, one of the most strident opponents is State Senator Jason Estevez, newly elected, but a former Atlanta school board member. Here's what he had to say. This bill would require Atlanta... Uh, to give the new city at least 20% of all of its cash, accounts, and investments. It would also require the city to sell its largest water treatment plant and water and sewer system for $200,000. And I can assure you, Senators, that I have paid a lot of money to, to the water and sewer system uh, in this city. And uh, the, the Buckhead City uh, community would be getting a deal if they were able to get uh, those facilities for, for $200,000. And not only that, it would require the city to sell parks and, and, um, and city property for pennies on the dollar. The, on top of that concerning precedent that it would set for all of us across the state, 
is the fact that it does not deal with, uh, with revenue bonds. And the city has nearly $3 billion in revenue bonds that are court approved and cannot be broken by this legislature, which means both the city of Buckhead, Buckhead City, and the city of Atlanta would spend millions of dollars in litigation having to deal with the repercussions of Senate Bill 113. Sure seems like the biggest winner from all this could be the, the lawyers who would be wrangling out these details over extensive litigation. But sure, let's be clear, this city hall is not hitting the panic button. Um, this bill is not going to pass. It, is, it might pass the Senate, we'll, we'll find out, but it is not going to be signed into law by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. He hasn't publicly said that he won't sign it, but behind the scenes, aides and operatives, even supporters of Bucket Cityhood say it is not going to pass. Some say that this is sort of a shot across the bow to Atlanta. Some see this as a, as a local control issue. Uh, of course, there's some, as you mentioned, there's parts of it that are just clearly vindictive toward the city of Atlanta when it comes to selling, you know, the price of property that are multi-million dollars facilities going for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, so there's not a, there's not a deep concern that this will become law this year, but at the same time, the very fact that it has now been adopted by a Senate committee shows that there is some newfound traction. And to me, it is a reminder that this thing isn't going to just quietly go away. This, this could continue to be a perennial issue that comes up year after year after year under the Gold Dome. I think what was unexpected about this bill this year is that it really does feel in Buckhead like things have stabilized. There is still violent crime, but there's a mayor who is working really hard to address that. Um, Andre Dickens has opened a police precinct in the middle of Buckhead. Uh, you can just see policemen in Buckhead much more than you used to. Um, he's pushing forward a number of policy initiatives and opened up the lines of communication with government leaders, state, et cetera. So it felt like the situation has stabilized, but the politics, especially in the state Senate, have really changed in favor of the Buckhead City Committee. And specifically is Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, who was a sponsor of this legislation the last time around. And as Lieutenant Governor, he has the power to let things go to committee or not. And last time around, we saw Jeff Duncan kill this before it got to committee. He had the power to do that. And the question is, will Burt Jones let this go through the rules committee and then to the floor for a vote? And then will he whip votes against this bill or for this bill? Does he want it to pass or not pass? This is a piece of really deeply flawed public policy. And there is no clear indication right now of what Burt Jones is going to do about this. He's been the recipient of a lot of donations from Buckhead City Committee supporters. They threw a big fundraiser for him, very beautiful and a gorgeous home in Buckhead. So all eyes are really on him right now. And you look at the politics, it's hard to see which Republicans in the chamber are going to vote no. Marjorie Taylor Greene has already tweeted about this. I've talked to Republicans who are worried that Donald Trump's going to start tweeting about it because he's very close with Bill White. You know, would they say, well, let's just get it over to the House, see what happens. We really don't know what direction it's going in. And once you let the alligator out of the cage, once it comes out of committee, you know, it's just a lot harder to get that thing back in the cage without it eating your face. 
And uh, the politics can kind of eat your face sometimes. And so I think you're exactly right. Um, We don't get the sense that Governor Kemp, um, listen, he stood up to plenty of Trump-sponsored efforts in the past. He could certainly do it again. In this case, this is not Trump-sponsored, but it certainly is um, being pushed by very pro-Trump forces. And um, so will it become reality? It doesn't feel like it today. But, you know, a lot of things have become reality in Georgia under the Gold Dome when we certainly didn't expect them. So we're following it very, very closely. We did not expect it to get quite this far. Yeah, it'll be a really closely watched vote. As you mentioned, there's a lot of pressure from national Republicans and and and, and others like Marjorie Taylor Greene who are, who are exerting, you know, a little uh, twisting some arms. Um, but look, you know, the, a lot of those same Republicans will confide privately to us that they know this is a deeply flawed bill, that they know it could set a dangerous precedent in terms of allowing other cities, maybe cities in their jurisdictions, to cleave off. And of course, the fact that the local Atlanta delegation in the Georgia Senate is adamantly against this. So, you know, what could happen down the road if the tables are turned and, you know, Democrats in the majority want to do this to Republican let's say. So there's all sorts of questions that go beyond the very important other questions of legal and financial and structural and governmental layers of problems this breeds. So we'll see. Um, but I think we're going to start seeing more voices come out against this in the coming days and weeks. I do want to just add one more thing. You, you mentioned how Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones's support is one reason why this has gone from dead in the water to at least, you know, a sliver of a fighting chance. I think the other reason is Bill White. And I know he's been sort of the who's down for us a lot, but one reason why this effort has at least got a, a toehold in the state capitol is because Bill White has played a far lesser role in pushing it in public. I know he's not amplifying racist tweets like he was last year. He's not out there peddling conspiracy theories that infuriate influential Republicans. Um, He's still out there, obviously, raising money and and doing his thing, but he hasn't played the visible role or at least the same visible role. And so when I kind of talk to folks at the Capitol, like, why hasn't this even, even opponents they'll say, well, one reason is Bill White. He's he's not been the polarizing force he was just a year ago. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, he's pushing it just as hard privately. He's just not on Twitter the way he was before. He is on Twitter, but he's taken a very different approach and strategy to Twitter. And he's not answering our phone calls. <laughs> I mean, a lot of what would get him in trouble was just um, answering questions that were straightforward. He would give a straightforward answer. That was deeply problematic in some cases. And um, lawmakers were like, what the heck is going on here? Who's behind this? You know, we still don't know who's really behind it. The Buckhead City Committee hasn't and is not required to share their donors. We don't know who's paying for all of this. Um, We don't, again, know what the budget would look like. Uh, We don't know who wrote these bills in particular. They're written by outside counsel, but they sure weren't written by lawmakers. So there's a lot, there's so much about this we still don't know. And Bill has gone a little bit underground just in terms of extrovertedly audaciously courting the media. That has stopped. And that really has helped bring the temperature down and the volume down. And in that way, it's let this get some real legs because you better believe they're pushing it inside the Capitol. 
they're just not talking to us about it. And that seems like it's a pretty smart strategy as much as we think it's also a bit dishonest for not answering questions uh, in the public sphere for something that would affect so very many people. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. We are back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're not only the host of this twice-weekly podcast, we also are the authors of the five-times-a-week Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join our community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, and you get six months of unlimited digital access for less than a dollar. That's right, six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.hz.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Patricia, another major development this week. It also involves the city of Atlanta. Actually, former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who announced uh, earlier this week that she is leaving her temporary role as a senior official in the Biden administration and she's coming back to Georgia full-time. She also told me in an interview uh, that she intends to stay involved in public policy as she returns to Georgia. This is what she said, quote, it's time for me to get back home, get back to my family, and focus on the future. So what this means in the short term is that Georgia, you know, loses a little clout within the, the White House at a pretty pivotal time. I mean, we still have as we talked about in one of our recent episodes, we still have the impending Democratic National Convention uh, decision. We still have all sorts of big bills and big uh, dramas playing out in Washington that, that directly impact Georgia. But on the other hand, this was always meant to be a temporary gig for Mayor Bottoms. She told me that you know there's there was a thought that she'd leave shortly after the midterm. It's months after the midterm now, and you know she's she's eager to get back to a semblance of a normal life. Yeah. And she, even when she was with the White House, she never lived there full time. So she was on a plane back and forth to Atlanta, you know, at least twice a week. She was trying to get home for her son's football games and something that is always such a treat in Washington. Uh, there was a lot of backstabbing over that decision from inside the White House, really criticizing her for not being, quote, 100 percent committed to this job because she wasn't 100% in her chair the whole time uh, that she was up there. Um, but this was the deal that she negotiated when she went up to the White House. She was one of the very first people to endorse Joe Biden when he was running for president. And those are decisions that people do not forget, especially somebody like 
Joe Biden. So she played a really important role in his first presidential campaign. Um, I'm quite sure he wanted her up there, but I'm also quite sure she must be exhausted from flying back and forth. In her interview, she really said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to just sit for a minute. I'm going to See go on kids. vacation for the first time. Gonna go months. on vacation. Um, she had offers from the private sector when she was coming out of the mayor's office. Her husband is ob- obviously super plugged in in the private sector, so she has no shortage of connections if that's what she wants to do. I will also point out that we have a decision imminent on the DNC, possibly coming to Atlanta. I would not be shocked, and this is complete speculation, if now that she's back in Atlanta full time, she plays a very large role in that um, in that process. If it really does come to Atlanta, she obviously would be um, a major, major asset to that process, having been up there while the decision was being made, um, if it really does end up being Atlanta. So you get the sense that after somebody's been in a White House job like that, if they're not living there, if they're not going for something like White House chief of staff, it starts to have diminishing returns. And it seems like, you know, she she has been there, done that, and there are going to be a lot of opportunities for here, her, what? For her here in the future. Uh, and certainly there's there's <laughs> starting to be more turnover in the White House, including uh, another a Georgian, Kate Bedingfield, the White House comms director, Riverwood High School graduate, and former Sandy yeah, I'm sorry, Springs. wasn't she also your... Did it? We should see your prom date, Greg. Can we get to the actual <laughs> credential here? <laughs> Not prom, homecoming 94. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> whatever that was, homecoming uh, freshman year at North Springs High School. But yeah, she is uh, She is departing uh, the White House as well. And others will because that's just how it goes after a couple of years. We definitely saw in the Trump administration a very high <laughs> turnover rate Indeed. as well uh, when it came to cabinet officials. Look, I did ask Mayor Bottoms what her most, uh, her proudest achievement was working in the in the administration. She didn't point to a single decision. She basically said the way that her office helped open the door to thousands of people who engage in the White House in a meaningful way. That's her words. And of course, I also asked her, what's next? Are you going to think about running for office again? Because, you know, when she left the mayor's office, she was about to, we all thought that she was about to embark on a second, uh, a run for a second term. Kasim Reed had already gotten the race. Others had already gotten the race. It's going to be a tough challenge. But she said, when I asked her about her future, never say never. I said that when I left the mayor's office, stay tuned. So I got a lot of tweets and texts from Republicans after that interview came out saying, what's she going to go for LG governor? Who knows? Uh, I don't. Um, but I know that three years is a long way away and there's going to be a lot of options on the table for her. And Patricia, before we go, there is a huge deadline. We're going to talk about it more later on the week, but there's a huge deadline looming, crossover day. Uh, It's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a tradition in the legislature that one bill must pass one chamber to have a chance of passing the other chamber by crossover day, which is next Monday. There's all sorts of ways around that rule, but basically we're going to see a lot of significant action after a pretty slow start in the state legislature by the end of this week. And one of the things we're most closely watching are the various bills aiming to make online sports betting legal in Georgia. There's some that call for a constitutional amendment to make all gambling legal. There's others that are much more narrowly tailored. Uh, I've said this on the show before. Um, it still seems like this is the year. If, if there is a year for this to pass, this seems like it. I don't know what form or fashion it will take, but we'll, we'll we'll soon find out. But there's a lot of competition out there over which bill crosses that finish line. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, I think it's not just our imaginations. I think that this General Assembly has been a little slow to start. There was a lot of organizing to do up front. They are running a bit late on passing the budget. They have quite a bit of work still left to do. And to your point, as far as crossover day goes, it's a very, very important milestone. It's coming up on Monday, March 6th. However, last legislative session, we got a lesson in why crossover day isn't really all that important because um, there was a transgender sports bill added on to a separate bill. It was legislation that lawmakers literally never saw before they voted and didn't see until hours after they voted. Um, so it is a um, things are fast and furious on that 40th day. That's when the stories, the final stories all get written. Um, but crossover day is really, really important. And if you do have a bill that you want to get over in regular order and it gives you the time to really do it properly and you don't have the juice to get it tacked on at 1159 on day 40, you got to get it across by crossover day. Stay tuned. We will tackle all the highlights coming up on the later episodes. Well, on Friday's episode, we're also going to answer your question from the listener mailbag, which you can now dial into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question, We'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Let us hear from you, especially let producer Shaney B hear from you. Even prank calls are welcome and encouraged. <laughs> we've, we've had many. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh.